Welcome to Innovation at the Edge, a podcast dedicated to bold ideas that will build a more sustainable and resilient world. We interview global thought leaders and discuss what's new in innovation and share insights for both entrepreneurs and corporations to build more agile and resilient businesses. Tomorrow's low-carbon and all-electric world will be created by both disruptive entrepreneurs and large corporations. And this podcast provides advice to both on how to scale their ideas. To manage a decentralized approach to hydropower requires being able to manage um, distributed energy systems at scale. And then we're also working to provide the um, intelligence or the analytics around what's happening with our water resources through basically leveraging all the advances in machine learning and satellite imagery, et cetera, which give us uh, real power to be able to better forecast and understand water and the water cycle. Hi everyone, I'm Emmanuel Agaric, Chief Innovation Officer at Schneider Electric, and today I'm extremely pleased to have with us Gia Schneider. She's the founder and CEO of Natal Energy. As you know, at Schneider Electric, we promote a world where energy is uh, decentralized, decarbonized, and digitized, and there is no better example than uh, Natal Energy. When you think decarbonized electricity and decarbonized energy, usually you think wind power or solar. Well, there's another technology, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Gia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very much looking forward to the discussion and sharing a little bit more about how we can make hydropower distributed, renewable, sustainable resource. Good. So let's start with you first. So you started at a very big Swiss investment bank on the trading desk, and now you are one of the the most successful female entrepreneurs in in the area. What happened here uh, from the successful career in banking to being a uh, founder and CEO of a, of, a, of a startup? Yeah, it has been quite a journey. And I think it really goes back actually a little bit before um, my, my career in banking. I've always been very, well, I grew up being fairly aware of climate change as a you know, an issue that we face and probably going all the way back to high school, maybe even a little earlier. And so in college, when I was like looking at what I wanted to do, I'd started to look at energy and the energy industry is clearly an industry that plays a really important role and will play an important role uh, in terms of how we will tackle climate change. And so kind of that that interest in learning and understanding some of the things that move the energy industry was what actually took me into banking. And then I, you know, had the great fortune to be involved in like working with Credit Suisse as they were working in energy commodities, getting into the carbon markets. And then there was kind of a very clear opportunity for me to move on uh, after the, you know, 2007. <laughs> there was a big repositioning, of course, uh, in the in the whole world um, financially. And it actually sparked a really great opportunity for me to then move forward um, with my brother, who co-founded the company with me. We had grown up again, you know, with a, with a long-standing interest in rivers and moving water. And so it was very natural for us to look at hydropower. So anyhow, so we had this kind of moment uh, after the, you know, kind of Great Recession uh, or in that, in, in that sparked by that, that kind of said, you know what, like, if we're going to go and, and explore some of these ideas we've had about how we can innovate in hydropower, now's a great time to do it. Wow, it's amazing how... Uh, how uh... Uh, great companies uh, are created in in times of uh, downturns and crises, right? So, so this, is, this that was the moment. The last last time there was a big crisis. This is when you you guys decided to uh, to to start Natal Energy, right? 
Yeah. And I think actually that it's not, you know, like as a corollary almost to today and as we look forward, you know, crises create the opportunity for change. There's a lot of inertia that's built into our systems and, and in energy in our in infrastructure in particular, there's a lot of inertia, right? Because it's a lot of sunk cost and, and a lot of, you know, things that are physical in the ground. They take a long time to plan and build and a long time to repair and replace and evolve. And so crises actually create kind of really useful moments to spark change. Now, in our case, we had been thinking about, you know, doing something innovative and entrepreneurial that had been kind of a a part of something we had both wanted to pursue for quite some time. And it just kind of lined up with that time as an appropriate moment to take advantage of the crisis opportunity, if you will. Yeah, to spark and, that, and, and that's a great point. Even, even if this crisis was not triggered by anything related to energy, we see definitively that this agenda of uh, decarbonization and decentralization of, of, of energy has been fast forwarded. And this is one of the things that has been accelerated in this, uh, in this COVID, uh, in this COVID uh, crisis, definitely. So, so that's, 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 that's a great point. But let, let's go back to the creation of natural energy. So you start the business with your brother. You, your father was also involved, right, at that time? So how, how, was, yeah. how was it, that family, that family story? Actually, the reason why climate change, as I refer to, is is my is one of was one of my grounding interests. Really goes back to my dad. So my dad was, you know, we grew up learning that climate change is water change. That climate change would mean hotter, wetter, colder, drier was kind of his simple way of summarizing it. Anyhow, so he was kind of the grounding kind of foundational inspiration for both my brother and I, and and our what has turned into our lifelong focus in in working on solutions or ways in which we can both adapt and evolve in the context of climate change. And so when we started the company, it was very natural for for the three of us to to launch it together. I would say serendipitously, my brother was a mechanical engineer by training, also MIT. I happen to like we happen to have this very complementary skill set. So I think that I don't know, maybe my father had a grand plan in mind. I don't think he did from the time that we were born. It, it, it just so happened that we basically had very complementary skill sets. And so, you know, my brother is our, was our CTO, is our CTO, and really drives the technology evolution. And it started actually with some initial ideas that my father had around hydropower and around ways in which we could evolve to a more sustainable way to tackle hydropower. My dad kind of had the very initial original idea that launched us down this journey. My brother is the CTO and the engineers to, to really take that and turn it into, you know, the practical application. And then I was more in charge of like, in the early days, everything else, whether it was regulatory or policy or finance, um, that, that kind of all fell into, into my bucket. In the early days, I remember pitching to an investor who was like, you know, was very frank. He was like, if you, if you were, you and your brother were high school or college roommates, this would be awesome. No problem. But the fact that you are siblings is a little bit scary. We've definitely had that reaction in the early days. I think that at this point, we don't tend to get that as much because, because of, we have now worked together successfully for a long time. It's frankly made it, it's been really enjoyable. There's a level of trust that does come from having grown up with someone. Yeah, it's like a foundational level of trust that really has, I think, helped us get us through some really hard times when we were flat out. There's so much to do. You don't have enough people or money to get it done. Well, those problems are related. <laughs> so you don't have enough people to get it done, which means you know each of you is just like working as hard as you possibly can. And the, the ability to have that trust was probably really critical to get us through those times. That's a great story. Yeah, and definitely your brother, not someone 
for your system, not someone you can let down, right? So in the, even in the difficult moments. So that's uh, and and when you're starting a business like this, you really need to have a, a very a very cohesive um, a cohesive team. Tell me what it what it is like to be a successful female entrepreneur in the Silicon Valley today, because this is not common. I would argue that in clean tech, or in uh, at least in the in the topics that that we are working on at Schneider Electric, there is probably more women leading new businesses or new ideas like like you, like Emily at Powerhouse with on a different topic. But how does it feel? How is it? So is it is it harder? Uh, how do you, do, you, do you think you have to play by different rules? What I do think is a an increasing number of women CEOs, founders, co-founders, particularly in the clean energy space. I do think that, you know, folks like Emily um, help bear credit in, in, in helping broaden the message and, and kind of share, build awareness of what is possible. I think that what she and the team at Powerhouse have built is really incredible in terms of being, you know, a, a platform to help companies uh, in the clean tech space get started and grow. And that kind of support really does help women and diverse founders, co-founders, CEOs, et cetera, succeed. I think that it's hard to know exactly because I haven't lived an experience as anyone other than who I am. So I, it's hard to know if it's easier or harder than anyone else. I think that I think that the bottom line is that we still have obviously room for improvement. You know, at the end of the day, I think we've made good progress in improving diversity in Silicon Valley. I think that we have a you know, a lot of room for continued growth in that area. It doesn't surprise me that in clean tech we're seeing that response, in part because because I do think that there is a, there might be a natural affinity to a certain extent in terms of thinking about existential problems and like big, big change that draws, I think that the blunt reality is that the vast majority of investors that I talk with are not female, you know, and that's again, an area where as things evolve, as things change, that will, that'll be an important element of growth. So let's go to to Nathan Energy now. So again, one one of uh, uh, the reason why we we have decided to invest in Nathan Energy, and and it's not only because of of you and your brother and all the great things that that you've be, you've been doing, but it's also because it's perfectly aligned with this agenda of decentralization, decarbonization, and digitization of electricity and and energy in in general. But as I was saying at the beginning. When you say decarbonization of energy, a lot of people think, yeah, of course, wind power, solar, and very few people actually think hydro. So, so what, is, what is Natal Energy about? Natal Energy is about transforming hydropower, which is a renewable resource that has been around and been used actively for decades, almost a century at this point, and evolving it for what we think of as, a, as the future, when we think of modern, sustainable hydro. What that means is when we look forward, hydropower is the clear opportunity for hydros to go to be a much more distributed or decentralized energy source. The history in hydropower has been to build large, centralized, civil, big dams, basically civil infrastructure projects. You have projects like, you know, Three Gorges or Hoover Dam or Grand Coulee, right, where you're talking, you know, gigawatts in a single project. And really, when we look forward for a lot of reasons, it's pretty clear that the future is to build more distributed projects. And my analogy for it, just to kind of in layman's terms, understand what we mean when we say making hydro distributed, is that a, a large individual dam is kind of like if you were to jump off of the roof of a building, like rappel down the side of the building to get to the ground floor, as opposed to walking down the stairs. And what, we're, what we do with distributed hydro at Natel is we make it possible to walk down the stairs to take out 
energy in, in steps down um, a river, down a watershed, and do so in a way that is safe for fish, that helps either continue and conserve or else in some cases restore river connectivity. And by doing so, that also has a whole host of really positive benefits in the context of climate change, like helping the slow water runoff down, that will help mitigate floods, helps drive groundwater recharge. There's all these additional benefits that come out of this fact that hydropower is a water resource as well as an energy resource. And so our focus has been, how do we provide solutions that enable that distributed future for hydropower, both on the hardware side, which requires fish safe, modern turbines, um, on the control side, this is one of the reasons why, of course, you know, we are working with you, with Schneider Electric, uh, because to manage a decentralized approach to hydropower requires being able to manage um, distributed energy systems at scale. And then we're also working to provide the um, intelligence or the analytics around what's happening with the, our water resources through basically leveraging all the advances in machine learning and satellite imagery, et cetera, which give us uh, real power to be able to better forecast and understand water and the water cycle. Yeah, so that's great. So it's it's sustainable on, on all fronts, right? So you don't need that big dam and a lot of civil works and, 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 and to pour concrete and because basically you put the turbine in the bed of the river in a very sustainable fashion. It's sustainable because it produces energy on the, the right amount in a distributed, uh, in a highly distributed uh, system. And what is also unique is, is your, the design of your turbine for fish, fish passage, right? Which is also okay. unique because if you, if you look at how that problem was traditionally solved, it, that was actually quite disturbing. And you've also not only brought a new uh, way to, uh, to, 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 to have distributed energy uh, resources, but also to be much more sustainable in the usage and the management of, of the water and the river in general. Can, can you talk a bit more about, about this? If you have a cascade of, of distributed hydropower projects, that means you want, to, you want to ensure passage and connectivity at every single point, right, in that as you come down, down a river or down a, down a water system. And if you're going to do that, that puts some very specific design constraints on how you design a turbine. And so in our hardware innovation, we basically started out with a near 100% safe passage for fish as our design criteria. That was kind of our leading design criteria. And then we layered on the obvious fact that we want to deliver that, that environmental performance, but without compromising on energy output. You know, at the end of the day, we need both. And so that balance, that push and pull, if you will, between you know, maintaining fish safety while also maintaining hydraulic performance, you know, that the turbine produces a lot of energy at you know, world-class efficiency, drove our whole engineering process. And that's what we've been able to do. It's actually, we got some fish testing results coming out here very shortly that will be at 100% safe passage for fish. With you know, modern power electronics and controls, you're now able to operate that distributed cascade as an integrated virtual power plant that enables what would have been smaller individual um, energy projects in the past that would have been very hard to manage for grid resources. It makes it possible now to manage those distributed hydropower projects in a way that can deliver grid resources. This is one of the unique things about your about Natal Energy because a river becomes a VPP, a, a virtual power yeah. plant, right? So, so with everything in it, uh, so the, you have the generation part and the storage because, of course, you can manage the storage with water. Actually, your your software side on this is is, is pretty powerful. Can can you describe a bit what what you do on the control and, and software side precisely to 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 really transform a river into into a VPP into a virtual power plant? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of does, again, ground our technology approach, which is that you need to have, in order to run such a distributed VPP efficiently, you need to understand what's happening with water flow, because in hydropower, the fuel is water. And what we realized is that the historical way of forecasting water flow either relies on physical flow gauges, so you have to go and install an expensive piece of hardware that you have to maintain to get you know, actual physical measurements of flow, or you can do a model that models a landscape, combines that with weather data to come up with an expectation of water flow. And what we realized is that with satellite imagery, and with, which now is, you know, there's been a rapid proliferation of satellite imagery, and with the reduction in cost and increase in power of computing, that we could apply machine learning algorithms to that satellite imagery to extract on a very regular basis. And that allows us to deliver a more accurate forecast of what's going to happen with water flow. You can capture events like the wildfires right now that are happening, for example, in California, because when you, you know, burn thousands, in this case, millions of acres of land, the way in which water will run off that landscape changes. And that is with our software system is automatically factored into the forecast. Those things combined allow us to now operate a VPP to turn a river into what would have in the past been, you know, a single large concentrated civil, you know, big, big hydro system into a distributed energy system. And when you talk, it's like, I find it really fascinating about where this could go. Because when you think about, you know, projects, for example, in developing countries, where historically, you might have had to wait 10 years to get a big hydro project online, we can now talk about, you know, bringing online you know, 100 megawatts, 50 megawatts this year, next year, the year after. And that's much more matched to the needs of the population for energy, as opposed to having to wait 10 years before you get your single megawatt hour of output. It also opens up some really interesting ways to then start to hybridize around microgrid applications with, for example, solar and batteries, where you have now a hydro kind of component that's kind of backing your microgrid with some batteries and some solar. Exactly, because not, not only you are, you are reinventing hydro and making it more sustainable on, on all dimensions, as we said, you are bringing this, this opportunity of transforming our rivers into, into VPPs if we want. But yeah. on top of this, if you start mixing this with, with wind and solar and, and, and uh, lithium-ion storage and other storage technologies, you can create a completely new decentralized energy system where all those sources can back up each other and go through through uh, through different weather conditions and or wind or wind regimes and uh, or uh, water availability and all this in a much more sustainability uh, fashion than, than ever before. Schneider Electric co-invested with Breakthrough Energy Ventures in in, in Natal. That was uh, that was a few months ago. So uh, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, for for those who are not familiar, is is uh, that one billion dollar fund that Bill Gates initiated right after the, the, the Paris conference uh, back in 2015 and where the board of that fund is an impressive collection of climate conscious uh, billionaires and, and definitely sh- showing the, the way and leading the way. And of course, those people are, are extremely selective on where they invest their money. And Natal is one of their investments. So we invested there together with Breakthrough. And what that says is that for, for technologies like the ones you're, you're creating, the traditional ecosystem of uh, venture capitalists, which 
who defended itself saying that oh they were burnt in the first, in cleantech 1.0 back back in the days and uh, and uh, is still not looking at these type of ventures as they should uh, probably and it still take corporates or very courageous and and, and very impactful funds like Brexit to, to do that what's your view on the on, on the involvement of uh, traditional VC money, especially in the Silicon Valley in, in, in cleantech these days? Investing in cleantech does really require long-term committed capital and capital that understands the application space, right? So we're talking about, you know, investing in infrastructure, in energy, infrastructure and energy are spaces that there's a lot of, frankly, can be quite scary things when you start thinking about as a, you know, as a venture investor, and particularly maybe a Silicon Valley venture investor, when it comes to like regulations and timeframes and sales cycles and all that. But I do think that corporate venture teams who are grounded in a perspective of understanding the industry and what it takes to really sell and scale solutions um, in this industry do have an advantage in perspective. Absolutely. And I also fundamentally think that funds like Breakthrough are also critical because both things are true. Like it, it's, it is a space that requires long-term visionary capital that is willing to invest and wants to invest in transformative change, you know, and smart understanding of what is involved in changing, driving change in this space. And again, I think that's where certainly Schneider Electric, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, some of the other folks who are investing and in, in being successful in this space are able to bring those to the table in both making investments and then also obviously, you know, helping and working with companies as they scale. And to your point, right? So there are several innovations uh, happening at the same time. And at Natel, what you've been able to do is to to make the most of all those, right? Because it's not only about yeah. a very sustainable turbine that, that sits in, on the bed of the river, which is just like an amazing piece of technology, but it's also your software, the satellite imag- imaging, all the AI you've built on top of this, the analytics, yeah. and how you will integrate that uh, river VPP in, in the future of uh, decentralized uh, energy system. So what's next? What, what is the next step, to the extent you can share it with us? But what's next in your, on your agenda in terms of uh, technology development? Where do you go next in the integration of all those, those technologies and innovations that are happening around, around us? Despite coronavirus and you know, having to manage around that, obviously, which everyone has had to manage around this year, um, this year has been really you know, a, a major you know, transition year for us. So we have uh, actually just commissioned our second plants just in the last month. It's a first deployment, actually, of our megawatt-class turbine product. On the software side, we, again, it's been an important year for us. We're now informing over 1.2 gigawatts of hydropower plant operations. We're close to doubling that very soon here with a deal that we should get closed this quarter. So as we look out over the next couple of years, we're really focused on, on scaling and getting to where we're, we actually are you know, deploying VPPs at scale informed by the analytics that we bring to the table on um, water, on the water forecasting side. Great. That's amazing. And then, uh, yeah, so the, all these to say that we're just getting started. So Natel is just an yeah. amazing company already. And, and uh, this is why some of the most impactful investors in the world of cleantech have, have decided to bet, uh, to bet on, on, on Gia, her brother, and the entire Natel team. So one other point that I would just make is that in context of, of you know, entrepreneurs who are looking at tackling what is undoubtedly not necessarily an easy space, particularly if you have something in hardware like we did and do, is, you know, the software component is critical to our overall commercial plan and success. It is also a way for us to 
bring in revenue, right? Solidify sales and revenue in a way that is not as coupled to just hardware deployment cycles. And in particular, in this case, it's because our software and analytics can be deployed across the existing installed base of hydropower assets. And there's 1.3 terawatts of installed hydropower globally. And so I'll just note that that's, that's been an important part as we've built the business and, and also why we very intentionally incorporated and analytics components into what we are doing. We package it with hardware, we sell it, we'll get more deployments of the software as we sell more turbines. There's a virtuous cycle there. Um, It's also a product that allows us to accelerate sales and revenue ahead of like, you know, development cycles and all the other things that are involved in actually getting hardware deployed and in the field at scale. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great point, right? So it's not only about mechanics and capital intensive, but a large part of the value is also coming from those analytics and that software. Yeah. And it's really about decentralized, decarbonized, and digital. Combining those, those three is pretty unique, and, and, and you're, showing it, uh, you're showing it every day. And also a great lesson in leadership for, for, for all mm-hmm. of us with all that journey from, from the, the creation of Net and Energy and, and, uh, and, uh, and it was very courageous and uh, you were tenacious, you and your brother and your, and your father and, 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 it's, and it's happening. It's a great vision and you're, you're I mean, arguably, uh, you're changing the world. So, so that's, uh, that's amazing and, and humbling for, for all of us. So Gia, thank you very much for your time and, and for, for being here. I hope we can see each other soon, face to face, not only on, on, on Zoom. And all the best for, for, to Nathan Energy and then to you and, 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 um, and for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Like I said, pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it, Emmanuel. And uh, yes, it will be, it will be hopefully soon here. We'll be able to get through all of this coronavirus and, uh, and move back to a more normal existence. So thank you and have a great day. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Innovation at the Edge by Schneider Electric. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. For more information on the Innovation at the Edge program at Schneider Electric, go to se.com ventures or follow us on LinkedIn. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be undertaken as financial, economic, legal, business, tax, or investment advice. The information, statements, views, and opinions should not be construed as the provision of advice by Schneider Electric, or as an offer to buy or sell any products or services, or to make or consider an investment or course of action.